It has been an interesting year in 2020, and I think the coolest part for me is it's easier to talk to interesting people uh, because we can just do this in our homes. And now, class is in session. If you're watching on video, teacher, the Honorable Demario Davis is joining us. Uh, if you don't know enough about his story, uh, I don't think he knows, but I think a movie needs to be made. I mean, this is a man born in Mississippi. His dad enlisted in the army. Uh, he goes through and goes to a small college, goes and blows away the combine, destroys everything, goes in the third round in New York City. Guess who he's taught by? Our older brother on the podcast, Bart Scott. The loudest mouth I've ever met in my entire life. Dominates, doesn't get enough credit for it. Goes to Cleveland, comes back, and then ends up in New Orleans, where he is, in my opinion, the heart and soul of a defense that doesn't get enough credit at all along the while. As I go and check on the NFL good guys and who in the offseason is changing their communities, he's always number one. When, when there's a natural disaster, he's there. When there is a crisis in our country with racism and, and just the treatment of black people by cops, he's there. And I just want to say, Demario Davis, I think that your journey these last eight, nine years has been wild to watch. It's been underappreciated, and it is a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Wow, man. Hey, thank you, man. Uh, it's an honor for me to be here. Uh, definitely excited about this, man. I think um, what I, what, the reason I did that is typically in interviews, they spend the first five to 10 minutes talking about all the stuff that people can learn about you if they went online. So I'm just going to say it all right now so we can move on to good conversation. That's good. That's good, man. I appreciate that. Um, I do see though, I, I just want to talk about how you've been. I see you've been, you have the school board behind you. You have your, your kids there. Are we fully into, okay, I'm in my house and now I figured it out, like how to handle this stuff, man, you know, what, with, with, with kids and, and the household dynamic, I think it's always, it's like a, um, evolving Rubik's cube. Just as soon as you, you, you get there, uh, you got to start tweaking and, 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 and turning again. Um, but it's been fun. This the quarantine life definitely uh, slowed all of us down and um, has had me in my house. Um, it, it changed the way I do everything, um, changed the way I train. Um, had to bring my trainer and move my trainer in pretty much so that I could, uh, you know, stay, stay in. Uh, so many guys shape. are telling me that they're loving it because the amount of time they get with their families right now. That's, that's the big thing that you can get so much time with your family. Um, most of the time, this is the time I try to spend, you know, during the off season. So from uh, February to April, uh, for sure. And then uh, that June, July window, that's when I can get most of my family time in. Um, when, when OTAs aren't going in and when the season is not going in. But even more so now, um, because of the limited amount of movement, it's just uh, intensified and increased that. Like we only plan to be in Nashville for a month, but we've been here, you know, since, since March. Uh, so it's just been good to be, you know, kind of, stationary and be able to kind of live as a normal family, you know, wake up at the same time, eat dinner at the same time, you know, know where to yeah. go. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's been good. Uh, let me ask you this. What do you want to talk about? Because I think sometimes when you're as outspoken as you are and you have so much action, people think, okay, let me ask me what, like, do you want to talk? Like, I kind of want to give it to you. Cause I feel like people are always throwing things at you. Well, I think we, we you'd be doing a disservice if you would talk about anything other than what's going on in the world right now. You know, yeah. balancing COVID-19, balancing 
uh, police brutality, balancing the movement, balancing what is this world going to be like when we restart? You know, you got no sports going on right now. or Beyond sport. will there be fans on the stands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So get to, you got to get to the deeper issues of, of what's going on in the world, you know, and, and how we all process it. I think let's what let's talk about let's talk about another guy that I have a lot of respect for Kenny Stills and just what's going on right now and I I was a news reporter and sports anchor in Louisville Kentucky for three and a half years and the stories that I'm seeing where and I, I did a video before where I knew one of the cops that was involved and I spoke out and I called on on this to how I need arrests I need charges I need something to happen here and um, I think the issue that I have with Breonna Taylor, other than the fact that a, a, a black woman was killed in her sleep and nothing is being done about it at all, is nothing, like, we have no closure. And, and I don't, we, we haven't even got to the process where, like, there's any blame. We're, we're just avoiding it completely. And um, I think about it every day. And I'm curious, is it, is saying her name enough like is, is reminding people enough i just clearly i haven't come to a conclusion with this at all but i'm curious like i'm seeing nba players at their interviews right now like like i saw um i think it was Jer jeremy or jerry and grant answered a question and said but we still need to arrest the cops that killed brianna taylor is is just saying her name is that going to be enough like how what else can i'm not sure what else to do so i'm kind of putting that on you sorry no, that's that, that's good, you know, and as we remember uh, the lives of uh, George Floyd and my Aubrey, and especially Breonna Taylor, the reason why I say Breonna Taylor is because as society, we have a right to protect our women and children. Um, there is no passing down generation to generation without the woman. And um, probably, uh, I heard one great speaker say, probably the most disrespected uh human being on earth is the black woman, you yeah. know, uh, the least value, but probably uh, one of the most important assets, even if you go all the way back to slavery, not only uh, were the black women raising up uh, the African-American babies, but they were also responsible for raising yeah. uh, the white babies. And so you have this gem that's being just crushed on, you know, throughout history. And then so when you, even when you look at, there's, you know, uh, the rest, of uh, the people responsible for George Floyd and the rest of the people are responsible for Ahmaud Aubrey, not Ahmaud even Aubrey. getting, not even getting to the convictions, but there have been no arrests in Breonna, Breonna Taylor, which was uh, not to take away from any of the other ones, but uh, we saw the other ones. I don't think we would be able to watch. We'd be able to watch what happened to Breonna, Breonna Taylor. I don't think, I, I don't think. I think that's the, that's the thing is like, Poking holes in these issues is just for people that I believe have so much hate in their heart that I don't, it's a heart, like for you to be like, oh, George Floyd was a bad guy. Like, why are you distracting? To say Ahmaud Arbery was trespassing. Why are you distracting? Breonna Taylor was a model, like, and I don't want to say that anyone is better than anybody else, but she is an EMT that is putting herself on the line for other people. And she is literally in her bed sleeping. Like there is no other way to poke. And the only thing I'm hearing is, they had a warrant and it's like innocent in their sleep. We didn't even see it. And, and yeah. Now you just had a, had a warrant to the wrong house. So who's all involved in that? Wasn't like, even there. How many people have to sign off on a warrant? 
you have to sign off on a warrant. So that goes all the way up to the chain of how many people are going to be responsible. Not only the people who pulled the trigger, not only the people who were in the house, but everybody who signed off to allow that warrant to go to the wrong house, wrong information. And all those people need to be held accountable. And I, I agree. That's why you see uh, them trying to be hesitant in how they dive into it, because it's going to be a lot of people uh, who, who need to be held accountable. Um, but then you have a situation where you arrest the protesters before you arrest the people who are responsible for this heinous crime. That's America. That's what that, that, that's the country that we're living in. And that's why you see this nationwide movement, because what are we doing? Are we going to repeat our history or are we going to change from it? And it's a beautiful thing to see a movement being led by so many young people who want a different uh, future for themselves and are, and are willing to put themselves on the line to create that future. When when you or Kenny, I mean, I mean, Cap and everybody and Eric, everybody, Malcolm, everybody that's been involved, and there's so many more. Is it a conscious decision to use your platform? And do you think it's hard for NFL players to, to go, I want to get involved in this? Because I, I, I know, and I'm not just talking about black athletes, I'm talking about white athletes, too. Like, what do you think goes into that as an NFL athlete that that normal fans wouldn't understand? I don't even think it's more about humanity, you know, and um, when you see something as simple as COVID-19 and you come from these communities, COVID-19 hits, it shows, it highlights the disparities that are in our community. Then police brutality picks up, you know, and you have these three incidents back to back. It shows the disparities of what's happening in the black community and what's happening in the rest of the rest of the uh, country. So we go out, we mobilize, you know, uh, Josh Norman and I, we go out, we do a tour of all these cities. You have to hear from the people. You have to go to the ground and listen to the people. Don't just turn your TV on. Don't just look at Twitter. Talk to the people who are being affected. And the thing that, that, that you see and the passion in all these places, they're all different. All, the, all of them locally have their own problems. But what you see is all of them just desperately desire a better future for the next generation. And then yep. what we learned was this next generation that's kind of the heart of the, the movement, they're gonna create their they're gonna create their future, whether we help them or not. And the future that they want is for these communities to be included in the same things that are extended to everywhere else. And what I'm realizing is the only way that's gonna happen, uh, not just getting justice served, but uh, you know, and not just bringing um, health aid to these communities. It's gonna, it's gonna require uh, investors, it's gonna require private-public partnership, it's gonna require athletes such as uh, ourselves coming into these communities and investing in these communities that they can build their own ecosystems and take care of themselves. That way that the communities are strong enough to prevent these problems from happening to them. And so uh, these communities don't need handouts, they need bridges. And it's gonna require our, uh, people with affluence and influence to come into these places and build these bridges that these people can have uh, a way uh, protecting themselves and taking care of themselves long-term. I had a very, um, oh, and by the way, like to me, it's, it's like, okay, if this system is going to be oppressive, let's find a way to like not even play in that game. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's find a way to like build so that that system can't get funding. You know, it's, and that's why it's so funny to me. It's not even like the, the word defunding is so intimidating to some people, but it's more like, no, just like reallocate those funding. I was talking to a good friend of mine um, and I don't know if this is launched yet. So if I'm giving it pub and it hasn't launched yet, I'm sorry, but it was something like HBCU change where like every purchase you make, your extra change is going to go to support a historically black college. 
and I'm watching these major, major recruits out of high school actively say, I'm going to Howard, like Maker Maker, or I see Mikey. And people don't realize that it's like those little movements and, and the, real, the reallocation of funds. Because if Zion was at Howard and not Duke, and all of that money was going to those HBCU, like it's, it, it can change in, in more authentic, less like let's do this through politics type of ways. No, no, you got it. You got it. I think when you look around, um, that's what, what, what was so encouraging to me when I was out on the movement and out on the ground and seeing these young people, their mentality around social justice is no different than, than their mentality around creative design, around uh, video gaming, around coding, around uh, you, you see like the Googles and Silicon Valley and the Amazon. The Very strategic. The young people coming in and working with these brilliant mindsets, all they know how to do is take parts and create something new. Take parts and create something new. And that's what they think about the social justice system. A kid asked me, we've been in there talking, and he looked at me, he said, why are you asking them to reform an oppressive model? Why won't you just go and create a different? That's, that's how his brain thinks. I'm like, wow. How old was he? He was 22. Man, and that's but that's the mentality, and, and, and he was like, "That's how me and my peers think." So he wasn't; just, he was like, "That's how we think." And in essence, that's that's what has to happen in in, in, in everything. You know, it's like not taken away from uh, uh, police officers. It's uh, I have a lot of great friends that are police officers, good cops, and I would go to bat for them any day of the week. But how do we empower them to be able to do what they want to do better? They want to make the world a better place. They want to make community safer. But the model in which they're the model in which they're having to work on isn't working. When mm. you have uh, only 28% of rape cases being solved, only 38% of all murders in the, in, in the country being solved, and these are just what's reported, not even mm. what's not reported. You realize right. a they're not preventing it from happening effectively. And then B, once it's happening, they're not effectively solving it. And then when you have um, not even just black, but all communities, when police officers murder individuals, only 99% of them don't get convicted. So only 1% of all murders by cops are being convicted. That's the problem. That's alarming because that means we, we all have to think about anybody could sign up to be a cop and have a license to kill. That's dangerous. And so in, you go from being a public servant to being a public threat. And it's not that the individual is, is every individual inside is a public threat. The, 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 the organization as a whole, because of the way it's set up, is a threat. Right. And so uh, it, it's, it's we the people are saying, hey, you're serving us, but we don't feel safe. So how do we change that as a society? And so, um, but it's, it's, it's that in all areas. It's the same, yes. you know, it's uh, economic inclusion. So for forever, the, the country's been able to thrive, but black people as a whole haven't been able to thrive. The country was built on the back of blacks. Um, that was, say, there's a wealth gap of six to one. That same six to one was just passed down over generation to generation to generation to generation. And now it's 14 to one. And so, um, when, when black people only own, you know, uh, 1% of, uh, of the nation's wealth or less than 1% of the nation's wealth, like how can that be after all these 
generations. You know, yeah. and then you see the systematic, the systemic plight uh, of the unlevel playing field. And it's like, okay, we only way to fix this is to reallocate. There are no re new resources coming in. Like, yeah, in COVID, they went and created $2 trillion and passed it out. Do you know out. how many times, do you know how many, so uh, do you know how many times my, my fiance has looked at me and gone, you want to move to Nigeria? Like in the last three, four months, like, wow. Well, she, she's Nigerian, but like the amount of times that we've been like, hey, you know where it would be really peaceful right now? Like in the middle of Nigeria. And I'm what? like thinking about going to Bleach Report and being like, can I do the podcast in Nigeria? Like if I'm in Lagos, can I do the podcast? Because it's sometimes you look at the systems and, and I don't know about you. Sometimes it's that battle between it's like, if I know it's oppressive, why wouldn't I want to take my family and like protect them? But it's like, am I abandoning everybody? Like that's, mm -hmm. to me, it's like a huge, for people that want to help people, it's like a huge dilemma. Yeah, it is, it is. I mean, uh, a few, a few I mean, years. I don't think they, they have Nigerian football league, so you gotta, you gotta handle this. For Listen, you get it. You, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. A few years ago after certain elections, I'm like, man, this certain person get elected, I'm moving to Canada, man, it's gonna get rough around here. Yeah. But, <laughs> You know, it's like you can't you can't abandon ship. That's just part of humanity. You know, it's yeah. like if you see somebody hurting, it's your responsibility to do what you can to help them. Um, what you were saying about the next generation, I think, is is funny. Me and um, so I, I do the TNT show with D Wade, and like the conversations that he has with his kids and tells me about, like it doesn't even pro like I don't even understand it. Like they are their their worldview is so big, and it's they can process information so quickly. And I'm like, man, I grew up on Doritos and like, this was my history book. And that was all I was learning. And it's, and it, but I feel like we're, we're not that old. Like you're 30, 31, but it feels like we're in another generation. It just, it happens so quick. Yeah, they're, they're, they're growing rapidly. They're growing very rapidly. And, and the way that uh, uh, they're growing is very different than uh, that, that we, we learn. I'm, I'm sure that you had a ton of people hitting you up about the Breeze comments. My opinion was different than a lot of other people's in which I said, personally, I like when people misstep on social media because it, it, we, we get to see their actions and we get to see what they stand for. And somebody like Drew, who has had so much power in the league, now I know that he's aligned with this movement and really trying to help people. I think it's actually going to make it great because I think he's now going to have to get really involved. And, uh, and I also thought in my head, I think the Saints might be the smartest team in the NFL. Like DeMario, Cam Jordan, his personality, like what an interesting thinker, like Alvin, um, but also like Malcolm now. And I know I'm forgetting a bunch of guys, but this is a very thoughtful team. And as an Eagles fan with everything that happened to Sean, I was like, man, I wish we had Malcolm there. But like for Drew, for all of you guys to be there, I think this could be the beginning of something really special. Like look what he did with Katrina. Like I feel like he could do this with Black Lives Matter and with like really supporting this issue right now. I really do. Yeah, man, I, I see this as uh, being a, a really great opportunity for all of us to be uh, a light to the world right now an example to the world. Um, with what re reconciliation looks like and how to make the most of that reconciliation. You know, we had a brother who, who said some things that was very, very hurtful. Um, 
but it's about all of us being able to put our pride to the side and find a way to come together. He comes back and says, I'm wrong. That's the first part, being able to admit I'm wrong. And then being able to humble yourself and say, you know what? I realize there are things I need to learn. And as far as since then, I haven't seen anybody with that type of commitment. Now, I, I anticipated that type of commitment because he's the person, once he sets his mind to something, um, he quickly rises the ranks to become just the best at doing it. And I feel like he's going to be a model for America of, of, of how to help. I mean, he's been doing research. Uh, for He you know clearly doesn't understand, but wanting to know more about the black community. Why is it this way? Why does this happen? And then trying to find out what are the areas of, of real solution. You know, uh, leaning on the Players Coalition, getting information from the Players Coalition, been very intuitive there. Uh, you know, calling me, asking me, you know, what do you think about this? You know, talking to all of his different teammates to, to, to figure out different roles, but also to do the most important thing, um, which is trying to find ways to invest in the black community. How do you pour in? Like, you know, what are the, those are the questions that he's asking. How, what are the avenues of, of, of going in and, and creating sustainable models? You know, if I take a mission trip to Africa, the first thing I want to do is, you know, build water wells. I want them to have right. water. That's what it's like going into the black community. You have to build sustainable models that it's an ecosystem where they can take care of themselves and for a brother to be leaning in to that, um, that's, that's, a, that's a great example of, uh, you know, putting action behind words. And, you know, for anybody that was uh, essentially, you know, judging them, the heat is off of them now. I mean, there are going to still be questions that are going to come up during the season. But that pressure, I mean, he was public enemy of number, uh, number one at one time. You know, it was hot. And, hot. you know, so people would say, well, he was just uh, uh, saying those things just to get the heat off of but and now you, the, the action, and then he's moving behind doors. He's not moving where people yeah. can get out. Haven't heard a word about yeah. anything you have said until that. Yeah, so it's like, you know, that's what, I, that's what I respect, you know, and so that's what we need. That's what the world needs. And I think as a locker room to have that type of uh, blunt force trauma happen to us, you know, and so something that could have divided us and all of us be able to rally back together, me, uh, Malcolm, uh, Mike T, Alvin, Drew, Cam Jordan, Ron Armstead, Craig Robinson, uh, uh, Thomas Morstead, you know, leaders of the team being able to just rally back together, get on the same page, and be an example uh, to the rest of the team of how you handle adversity and continue to move forward. I think that's yeah. a model for our country because we all have to deal with this adversity, but we have to find a way to move forward and move forward together. And so um, I'm, I'm very optimistic in that, and I think – what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And something like that is going to be exactly what we need to kind of catalyst uh, us to get, you know, over that hump. We need to get over to do what we need to do. His actions and the way he presents himself, I think can inspire a lot of people. Cause I think my read is that for a lot of white people, it's intimidating to look at 401 years and to go, I have to process all of that. And I have to fix this and, and the amount of work that's going to take the amount of reading. Ooh, who do we got? Who do we got? Say that again while my kids walking in. Okay, no, I was going to say, is class in session? Do you need to go teach? No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, I, I was just saying that, like, I, I can imagine Drew's doing a ton of work right now. And I think that's the part that's really intimidating for a lot of white people is to process not just 401 years of oppression in this country, but really, like, in it, the entire existence of, of like race in itself and going, man, that's going to take a lot of work. I can just kind of completely ignore it and not deal with this and leave it for somebody else, which reminds me a lot of like, 
like global warming, like all of it. It's like issues that we need to deal with right now. You know what? Other people can deal with this. It's just easier to do that. And um, this is personal for me. I am a Jewish man engaged to a black woman that is an Eagles fan. So wow. this like Deshaun Jackson stuff is hitting me right in the chest. Yeah. And then, and then Nick Cannon and all that. And my thing is this, I don't know why, but I always think of coming to America and I think of the barbershop and I'm like, Jews and blacks, this has never been an issue. Right. Like, like when, when Deshaun Jackson, and the thing is, I love that somebody like Julian Edelman is stepping up and being like, yo, we're going to go to the Holocaust Museum, and you're going to see that when you see the propaganda that was used against white people, you're going to go, damn, that was the same shit that was used against black people. Mm -hmm. Like, when you see, like, early movies of, like, what's that awful movie? It was, like, the first celebrated movie. Um, and it's, it's the most racist thing ever, Birth of a Nation. Oh, yeah. And, and you're, and, you're, and you're like seeing white guys in blackface and he's like, and he's like going after the white woman. Like when I went to the Holocaust Museum, it was the same thing for Jewish people. It was like hook nose, hunchback, holding money, ooh, sweat, holding money and like, like innocent Germans being like, oh no. And I'm like, we are allowing the cause to be distracted. Jewish people have been treated like shit forever. Black people have been treated like shit forever. And right now it's like looking at each other being like, why aren't you helping us? Why don't you understand our pain? And it's like, guys, right. we can be allies in this. I right. know that people are hurt. I know that hateful things have been said. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't address them, but like, come on. Like those, those communities have, have lived together in so many different avenues all over the world. And I just... I look at them like, let's focus on the bigger picture while also not neglecting and addressing hate speech. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's powerful. Actually, I was just um, um, in Tulsa uh, with, with, with a new friend and, and, and he's Jewish and we were able to talk about, you know, a lot of those things. We didn't talk about, you know, what happened with Deshaun Jackson, but it was interesting for us to be on one accord because he was just, he's looking to, to invest and pour into the black community. and. You know, I was able to even talk with him about the Bible, you know, and it's God kind of talks about, you know, the Gentiles are the wild olives. And if God grafts in the wild olives, how much is he going to do it even more so for the original branches? And his hot desire is to see, you know, kind of uh, Israel be liberated in that same sense. I'm like, well, if God's doing this work, work in, in liberating the black community, how much more is he going to do it? And you just see this, this, this vision of oneness and us working together. And, and that's what it's all about. Like we all have been, um, had psychological warfare happen to us uh, with propaganda. Um, now what, what we've gone through as blacks and Jews have, have been you know, much different than the rest of the world. Uh, but there just has to be this sense of oneness and it's all working together for a common, for a common goal. Like I, I used to say, the craziest thing about growing up Jewish is all you learn about your religion is all of the times that you've been persecuted. It's like, and now we're going to talk about how we built the pyramids. And now we're going to talk about how we wandered for 40 years. And now we're going to talk about the Holocaust. And you, eventually you're just like this meandering group of like subjugated people. And then when I, would, when I would read about American history and how people were treated, and you're like, this is very reminiscent. And um, it, I think it's hard because with what happened with Deshaun Jackson, a lot of the media is Jewish. And a lot of the front offices are Jewish and there's not a lot of players. 
And so when it happened with Drew Brees and, and so many people came out and were like, that's not acceptable. And then when Deshaun Jackson, it came out and it was just like a Jewish offensive lineman and a wide receiver. And then people are like, why isn't there an equal reaction? And it's, it's, there's a lot of layers to it, but it's, it's weird because it's, you know, you don't want the, the Jewish play to be not talked about, but at the same point, it's like, let, let's focus on the bigger picture. We need, we need reform of our police. We need voting reform. We need to see what we can do with the systems in place. And we need to focus on the people that are being absolutely just, they're being most affected by disease. They're being most affected by police brutality. Like black people need our help right now. And it's like, and if somebody says something about Jewish people, we will handle it, but we can't sit in our feelings because that's not what the time is right now. I don't, that's how I'm processing it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, respect, I, I respect that. And I think it, it still has to be both. Um, anything that's, that's insensitive, insensitive or hurtful or offensive that's being done or said uh, needs to be addressed because if we allow it to creep in, injustice totally. anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So um, we do things all the time um, wrong based on misinformation, based on our own uh, mindset, based on our own mentality from, from where we come from. And that's how we hurt people. That's, uh, that's been going on for years. That's what has been happening to the black community uh, for years. So many times, George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor is something that's not new. This has been going no. on for, for years. This is going on back when Colin Kaepernick was, and that's before, and everybody was killing him. Now it's the cool thing to do. You know, nobody was saying anything then like, he's right. Let's stand up for him. And so when somebody spoke up and spoke on behalf of the flag, then nobody was coming out and saying, that person is wrong for not seeing what's going on. Like, that was okay. That was yeah. like, that became the argument. And now uh, black people are saying, you know what? We've had enough. If you're not going to stand up and stand beside don't call us your friend, don't call us your brother, don't say you understand. Like, if you're going to be silent, then uh, you're just as much a part of the problem. And then you see the, 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 the uh, overwhelming support of the black community come up, come up. And so that's just, I think the time that, like you said, the time that we're, so it's like, we need to get these issues fixed is not to discredit uh, what yes. was going on here. And I don't think you should give anyone a pass when they say something wrong or do something wrong. Um, it's just that- no, I, to, to, what, to what you're saying in action, and also, I'm kind of done with the whole ignorance. Like, oh, I shared something and I didn't realize who I was impacting. If, like what you were saying about Drew and the, the pursuit of knowledge, that's what everyone should be doing. Where it's like, personally, I believe like if you're, if you're in, the, in the black community and you believe that Jewish people really were doing this, then you really need to read up on it and learn the truth and learn what is true and what is not true. That's it. Because clearly, clearly that's wrong. And if you are a white person and, and you promise to your company that after George, George Floyd that you're going to start reading all these books, like you better be doing it. You should have been doing it since Trayvon. You should have been doing it way, way long ago. And it should have been taught in schools. But that, that's my question to you. As you sit in front of a school board and you're teaching your kids at home and I'm watching grown men tweet things that they don't even know what they're talking about because there's so much information. How are you processing information? And like, wh what are you teaching to your kids? Because right now there's so many things coming in 
that we don't even know if they're true or not, and they could be spreading falsehoods and hate. Well, the thing that I realize is, uh, like I said, I, I appreciate this young generation because they see the future that they want and they're going to create it. And the thing that they understand um, better than us, because they haven't had the, the conditioning of psychological warfare, is they just see people as equal. That's where you see all these movements coming up where it's making our country a lot more progressive. And some of us feel different type of ways about that. But they see everybody as equal. Like, hey, you be whoever you want to be. We're going to treat you the same. That's all they understand. And they have a point. We all have to live here. We all have to get along. I don't get to cast judgment on you and tell you where you fit in society. And that's the society that they want to create. And so my kids are going to understand um, a lot better about equality than I, than I, than I, because of the lens that I've had to view the world through. And so uh, I'm going to teach my kids plight. I'm going to teach them that the board is slanted because you're black. It is, I, I would do a disservice to teach them that they, they're going to be on a level playing field. The, the playing field is uneven, uneven, but the thing that I'm not going to do to my kids, I'm not going to teach them how to play the board because I'm going to teach them how to play the board based on my own conditioning and mindset. That's bad. I'm bringing in the, the bad and I'm passing it down. And that's, that's mm -hmm. collectively what's happened. You have, um, you know, white people in their homes that teach their kids don't date black people. You have black people in their home teach their kids don't date white people just because of the dangers that they assume are going to be there. So they're trying to teach them how to play the board, but that's based on a conditioned mindset. So we pass down all these ideologies that we shouldn't even pass down these mindsets that we don't even realize and we'll be the first people to say hey i'm not racist i'm not racist well you've been in a racist society for for your whole life and it was here hundreds of years before you got here and so that's almost like saying i'm not going to be born in the sin the world is sinful it ain't no one person perfect person here when you're born you're imperfect you know and so it's like you don't get to opt out of that and, i don't know the rock is like really close yeah really close. It's, it, it, it's, <laughs> There's a few people that are, that are very close. Um, and uh, so when you so when you look at that, it's like you don't get to opt out of it. You're going to have some kind of conditioning. So I'll probably be doing a disservice to try to teach my kids how to, as long as I can teach them the board that they can see it, I'm going to watch them see how they navigate and how they figure out a way to make it better because, uh, you know, we haven't done so good of a job of making, making it a better world for them. Is there any jealousy from NFL players to how the owners – and the commissioner, the NBA act. I don't think, uh, I don't think not in my opinion. Um, I have a lot of respect uh, for the guys in the NBA. I have a lot of respect uh, for the guys recently in MLB and MLS um, guys that are just using their platform um, to create change, to create. I mean, I mean like the owners and the commissioner, like the way the league of the NBA acts compared to the way the league of the NFL acts. Well, I mean, I look at it as the same, you know, it's, uh, I think, I think their response, the responses are different, but we need across the board, in my opinion, we need more diversity in both, mm. you know, what, what would it look like for 33% of all the owners in, in all sports that to have to be black, you know, it's like, especially when, when the sports are dominated, I think, I don't know what the percentage of, of the league in the NBA is, but I know it's high. In 80, 80. Yeah, and then the percentage in the NFL is 70, you know, and so, mm -hmm. um, you know, it would just make me feel good because when you're having those conversations, you have to have black people at the table. And so if the owners and the commissioner are meeting and there ain't no black people in the room except the players, 
You know, it's like, okay. Uh, so I'm much more of a, it's not going to be words. And you can be, you know, have as many tweets and as many hashtags on your shirts and as many fists in the air. But, you know, the proof's in the pudding. Like, I'm looking, yeah. you know, how many black vendors are you using, you know, to support the game that's going on on the court? You know, because if right. you use black vendors, that's going to trickle back to the black community. You know, how many black executives do you have? How many black GMs do you have? How many black team owners do you have? And so mm. that's where you really start to see uh, the proof. And so, um, yeah, me and me and Candace Parker were talking about how it's kind of crazy that there's not a black women coach in the WNBA. Like, what? <laughs> like, how how is that a thing? That, that should like be. exactly. Yeah, especially because I mean, um, I mean that goes into so many decades of all this stuff. Sean Payton, has he, like, I feel like he's, like, one of those coaches during this time that you want to have. Like, I feel like he's one of those leaders where he's like, yeah, it's going on. Like, anyway, you know, like, I just feel like he's perfect for a time like this. Man, let me tell you something. So, it's a little thing we, we always say. Uh, Coach Payton, he definitely gives an invite to the family reunion. <laughs> Coach Payton, get it. He's got the cookout. He's got the cookout invite. He, he get it, man. Last year, I, I'm reminded, man, uh, one of our one of our uh, rookies, they made a rap at Sean Payton, like, and, like, called him out. Man, when I tell you, the Coach Payton came back with the greatest diss track ever. Like, I mean, stood up on the table and slaughtered the man. Just – Was mean, it right then, that night, freestyle? Next night. It was, like, the next night. Like, he wow. thought all day it came back. And, 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 and killed it. But, I mean, you just get it. Like, I mean, a coach to just let his guard down and understand, like, okay, this man just, just, just dissed you and, and not use his position to get him back, but just use his skill to get him back. You just get respect. And you've played for, you've played for Rex Ryan and Sean Payton, just two dudes that don't give any fucks so, at all. So what I've, I've been able to play with who, what I believe to be the greatest defensive mind in the game and the greatest offensive mind. No, I, I say Rex and, and Greg Williams are kind of tip for tat. Um, but, uh, and Sean, you know, it's the greatest offense of mine for sure. That I've, I've become close to being around. And uh, it's been amazing. They all have their they, they own, you know, styles of coaching. Um, but mm -hmm. it's, been, it's, it's been great. But, but speaking of, of, of this, you know, Sean uh, did a good job of bringing in different voices when we were going, you know, through our thing, different, different voices, you know, came in and, and talked and, He's just always very sensitive of the moment. Um, he was sensitive of the moment, you know, during COVID and everything that was going on, sensitive of what was going on. And he's not one of those people that try to shy away from it. He, he, he addresses it. That's really what we have to do as a country. It's just, we yeah. just have to address it. Like, we can't shy away from it or say like, oh, I don't want to deal with that or push in the closet or act like it's not happening. We just have to address it. Addressing it, you can deal with it, you can move on. Um, damn, I had a joke and I totally forgot it. Uh, it clearly wasn't that good. Um, no, I yeah, cause your point was damn good. Damn it. All right. So then I'll just stay with that. Oh, okay. We're back. Then to go off of that, this is something that I've been wrestling with. And if you could help me with, I'd appreciate it. Um, I challenged a lot of my listeners to at least do 15 minutes of education every day and 15 minutes of action. And it's something that I've been doing kind of privately. Um, but I'm curious, like, how do you, in addition to like being a dad and in, in addition to being an athlete, in addition to just wanting 
DeMario time for yourself, and then also this and, and action required. How do you balance that um, to, to allow you to, to experience joy as you're processing and trying to provide action for pain? Wow. Um, I think true joy is helping people. You know, it's the greatest gift that you can give yourself is helping other people. Um, my faith, my faith leads out front. And so I'm always trying to store up treasures in heaven, not store them here. And the only way I can do that is through service. So I find that I can, I do all the things that I need to do in, in, in balance and, and for myself so that I can have balance to do those things better. And like my, like a clear mind helps you move better. So that's why I get up and read, you know, daily and take time to myself and spend time with my wife, spend time with my kids so that I can have that mental clarity. Now I can go out and, you know, do things to help others as best as possible. And, you know, in, in the reading, I would just encourage, you know, people and, and the listeners to read about closing the economic gap. Learn about closing the economic gap. We live in a capitalistic society. You can't play the game without money. You can't play the game if you don't have an ability to create wealth. And that's what's happening. There hasn't been economic inclusion. There was never a redistribution of wealth that happened in our country. And then in actions, you want to know how to help, find a way to be a part of closing that economic disparity gap. And it only happens through investors going in communities, uh, private public, public partnerships, uh, people with influence, affluence, uh, going in and helping, but not even just that. Resources are needed. Human capital is needed to go in and make these things happen. Like use your skill sets to go in and help close the economic gap. I mean, education uh, is important. Um, you know, civil rights what was fought for for a long time uh, is important. Being seen as equal, but what's most important is that economic gap. Ecosystems mm. exist in the black community, and currently they. They, they don't or they do at a minimum level. And that's what I would encourage people to, to look into and to work towards. I, I have gotten so much knowledge in the last, I would say six years, just by reading ta Coates, to be honest. I feel like there are certain writers that every era you kind of need to read, like like Toni Morrison had hers. and But I feel like ta is kind of like, and I'm not just saying this because he's, he's bald, but like, you know when Chappelle speaks and you're like, damn, he just saw through everything. everything. Like Ta-Nehisi is like that for me for like everything else. And I think it was an article he had on The Atlantic about the case for reparations where he explained, I think it was this article, he explained that all of this was based off wealth gaps. And they were like, listen, in order to keep the poor people at bay, we need to divide the white poors with the black poors. And I think once you see how everything is done from a financial ladder perspective, then you can be like, and I, I never thought about, you know, as we're learning, just focus on the one gap that seems to be the reason we're doing all of this. So um, I, is there any, like I would recommend that people read that. Is there anything that people could read about the economic gap that you really enjoyed? Uh, yeah. So, word? Well, you, you brought up T. Coates, man. He's the James of our time. And um, James Baldwin, totally. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would encourage people to, to, to read all his works and um, um, go T. Coates and, and, and James Baldwin. Um, one that I would, I would encourage people to read also is uh, uh, Dr. Claude Anderson. Um, 
uh, Black Labor, White Wealth. Then he ended up writing writing a book called Powernomics um, that just talks about a lot of these a lot of these issues and this gap, and 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 then not just the problem, but uh, options for solutions. And I believe, um, you know, it's happening now, and uh, it's just about people getting getting on board with what's happening. When you see uh, a player like uh, Maker going to um, Howard, he's investing into his community. And so you like you just finna start seeing this more and more. And so it's, it's going to be a whole wave of, uh, of, of people investing in their own community and, and, and bringing others to support in to invest in the black community. But it's, it's simply, we're just trying to get the board even for the next generation. Like I don't want to have to teach my kid that the board is slanted. I, I, I wish I could say, hey, listen, the world is yours. It's even playing field. It's going it's to come down to whoever has the sharpest brain, whoever can put the pieces together the quickest. Uh, and then that's going to be, you know, survival of the fittest. And as you go and you grow and you use all your God gifts, make sure you help your brother beside you. But, the, you know, the playing field is level. And I think that's the, the future that we want to be able to, to give to the next generation. Just for everybody out there, if you got kids or you don't have kids, I would imagine the only thing that you would love to look in their eyes and say is you can do anything you want. And if one group of people thinks they can say it and the other group in their heart thinks they can't, then we got a problem. There you go, man. Wow. Like that's like, to me, like that's because really it's all about that relationship. It's about like, you were just regenerating our love over and over again. And it's like, can't we just get along? That's you know? it. That's it, brother. That's it. I like the way you put it. Let's that end it there. Yeah. I, uh, I do think, though, that you guys are winning the Super Bowl. You've been my pick for a few months now. I just um, – I think it's going to be a Chief Saints Super Bowl. I think it's going to be Mahomes going for two out of three years, and I think it's Drew trying to go out with a bang after redeeming himself. And I think I, – I just – I look at your two deep, and I go, they're just – they got a guy at every level, at every position. position. Yeah. Like – just to talk football really quick. That's it. That's it. Appreciate right, it, bro. Yeah, we, we loaded, man. So it's, it, it's our time. Great talking to you. Seriously. You be blessed. You too, man. Be well. And that is Demario Davis. Um, this is going to, this is coming out on Monday. I'm telling you, as you listen to it on Monday, we're going to flip it up because I think um, I, I realized after I've spent a lot of time on sports cards in my own brain uh, for my personal finances. Uh, and I haven't been sharing uh, the last two podcasts. I said, Demario Davis is, is truly a leader in the NFL, not just from a, I'm going to use my words and do something, but he just does things. And I think how he plays is exactly how he lives. He has always been the guy that was too small to play D-line, but set the edge. Yeah, he was, you know, too, too, he was a linebacker, but he's still out there carding tight ends. He, he, he plays so hard, and that's how he lives. And I thought his messages today were great. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, hope you guys are still doing your 15 and 15. Hit me up on social at Adam Lefko, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. And if you're messing with at Lefko Show, that's David Ingberg. He's got funny stuff to say. He's using emojis now. It's big times on the internet. All right. Holla, holla, holla. Talk to you guys later.